Warning, the following show contains explicit language. Certain people should not listen to this show, such as children and panty-waist adults who cry like 12-year-old little girls when they hear profanity. Welcome back, my friends. I'm Dave Champion, and today I want to talk about a topic that supposedly affects a lot of men in the United States, and that is gynecomastia. And I want to give you a brief description of what gynecomastia is, and then I want to tell you my personal story about it. Okay, so gynecomastia is a condition in which male breast tissue enlarges. Now, we're not talking about the muscle under the breast tissue. We're talking about the tissue that sits on top of the pectoral muscles, okay? So for a reason I'll get into in a moment, that flesh becomes more abundant and then there can be multiple manifestations of that. You can have the nipple poking out. You can have a, a saggy breast. You can have pretty significant enlargement. It's said that 70% of men in the United States either have had gynecomastia at some point or suffer with it right now today. Figures are not precise, but that's what's generally bandied about. My tale begins back in... 1999, I would have been 40 years old. And I have to start with sort of an ironic note, and you'll see why it's ironic as we get to the story. Um, I'd been in the gym since I was, I don't know, 24? Five to seven days a week, every week from age 24. When this all went down, I was 40. Now, during the time I was in the gym, oftentimes I would see young guys. Uh, they just have an average young guy body. And, and over like 90 to 120 days, man, they become very Arnold Schwarzenegger-like. It was very obvious that they were juicing, using steroids. And most often, young guys, they do testosterone. And time and again, I had people say to me at the gym, man, Dave, you work hard. You've got a great body. Why don't you capitalize on that? Why don't you maximize your work by taking some testosterone? And I always said, absolutely not. And the reason is, if you take testosterone, Enough of it, long enough, I, I didn't have any interest in any of it for any period of time, but physiologically speaking, if you take enough of it for long enough, you can degrade your body's ability to make its own testosterone. And a lot of people think that has something to do with the testes. The testes play a role, but really it's the biofeedback cycle between the part of the brain that signals the testes to create testosterone. And that, that signaling process, that part of the brain that does that signaling, is degraded when you put to make it simple, the way I phrase it for people, you take outside testosterone and put it inside you, and yeah, it screws up that feedback cycle, and it can, in time, in sufficient quantities, cause your body to stop producing or diminish its production of testosterone. I had no interest in that, right? It's like, I was having a great time at the gym. I looked good. I lived in California, in LA at the time, where they have real gyms. I live in Pahrump now. I, I was in LA where they had real gyms. I was a member of like three, three gyms at a time, and I was in the gym every single night for two or three hours, and I was yoked, okay? So I, I didn't have any need or interest in supplementing testosterone. So I get to the age of 40, and... Uh, I went to see a doctor. I had, I think it was a sinus infection. It's hard for me to remember all those years ago, but I believe it was a sinus infection. So I went to an urgent care that was part of the FACI medical group through whom I had my medical insurance at that time or with whom I was getting service under my medical policy at that time. And so this doctor who was kind of weird, he said, well, because there's people are building up tolerances and resistance to modern antibiotics, I'm going to give you something old school. <sighs> so... Uh, he gave me powdered sulfa, which I knew nothing about back then, right? 
So I go home, I take the powdered sulfur. So about 10 days later, I'm walking, taking a walk with my then girlfriend, right? And I can tell you the exact moment when the consequences hit and when this whole nightmare began. It was, I was walking up a gentle grade, maybe about 8% grade with my then girlfriend, <laughs> a little embarrassing. And suddenly as I'm going up the hill, about every step I take, I'm passing wind. So I'm walking, it's like, <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Okay, so I get back to the house and it doesn't stop, right? The gas is just going on and on. And I, I lived in a two-story at that time. And as I'm going up the stairs, <laughs> yeah, so not cool. A couple days go by and it, it doesn't resolve itself. So I go to see my primary care physician at Facey Medical Group. <sighs> so then starts a two-year drama. Now, I'm not going to share with you what I believe the powdered sulfur did and why it did it. And that's a whole long, lengthy thing. I would be here a very long time. But I will tell you, I became um, ill with some malady. The medical community, over a little bit more than a two-year period, could not diagnose. And I'll tell you how nuts this was. At, at one point, my primary care physician sent me on a referral to two different specialists. Uh, both of them, by the way, are in the book 500 Best Doctors in America, something like that. It's been quite a few years. And so I go to see the one, and I go to see the other. They both submit reports to my primary care physician. Their reports were diametrically opposed. Same area of specialty, both of them in the book 500 Best Doctors in America. And they completely disagreed on what was going through. So that tells you how insane this whole thing was, right? All right, so on to the gynecomastia part of the story. I go into, I've probably had this malady about a year, maybe a little bit less, and I notice that my nipples are tender. I'm like, what the fuck is that about, right? By the way, I should tell you, by a year into this thing I had gone, I could still tell you, this is the part that sticks in my mind. The day that I started that getting that crazy gas while walking up the hill, I weighed 223 pounds. By the time this story kicks in, what I'm telling you, I was over 300 pounds. That's what this illness had done to me. I, I couldn't hear what you stop. said. Stop. Sorry, Siri. So that's how crazy this was. This is how destructive whatever this thing was that was going on with my body. But suddenly, and I'm, I'm still going to the gym to the best of my ability at that time. So, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm this big job of the hut thing. You know, it's really, really bad, right? And so I go to the, my primary care and I'm like, hey, my, my nipples are tender. What's going on, man? So he feels around. Now, I've been in the gym for like, what, 20 years at that point? Um, so close to that, 16 years. So I've heard a lot of stories about tender breast tissue. So I'm thinking, okay, he's going to send me down for a testosterone test. No, he tells me it's just that my glands seem to be irritated or plugged. Bilaterally? On both sides at the same exact moment? Really? Nevertheless, he says, no, I'm not going to send you down for a testosterone test. So on we go for this thing. Weeks and weeks and weeks turn into months, right? <sighs> So finally, he's on vacation, and I stop in for a routine appointment, but he's not there. So I see this doctor who's like crazy, like 6'5", and he's a Chinese immigrant, right? So how many Chinese people are 6'5", right? So it stands out in my mind. Very heavy Chinese accent. 
I walk into the exam room and we shake hands and he looks at my file, which is like two inches thick. And I can see the look on his face like, this is a 40-year-old guy. Yeah, he's overweight, but what's this? I can, be, I can almost read his mind as he's this look on his face as he's looking at the file. And so he says, do you have a minute for me to go through your file? Sure, my time's your time, doc. So he starts going through the file, and about six or seven minutes later, we're sitting there in silence, so six, and seven, six or seven minutes in silence with a stranger is a long time. And he finally says, I'm concerned. I'm like, yeah, okay, so good, me too. Finally, I'm talking to somebody who has the same concerns I do. Uh, he says, I don't mean to be dramatic, but if we don't determine what's wrong with you, this could go further downhill and place your life at risk, which I thought was terribly forthcoming. I was like, yes, somebody who feels the same way I do. It seemed like various systems in my body were not shutting down, but they weren't operating correctly. Uh, and, you know, you can deal with like one system not operating very well, but when you start to get into multiple systems breaking down, yeah, that that can turn the corner and get ugly really fast. So he had the same concerns that I do. On the testosterone issue, he said, do you have time to go downstairs? at a lab, like one story down. And he said, do you have a do you have time to go downstairs and, and get a testosterone test? I'm like, hell yeah. So um, I, I said, when do you want to see me again to go over it? He says, you know, do you have the time to come back in about three hours? Hell yeah, right? Okay. I go downstairs, I get the test, go out and have some lunch, do some errands, come back. And he says, and again, it's, it's odd what sticks in my mind 20 years later. He says, your testosterone count is 142. You have less testosterone in your body than the average 12-year-old boy. Okay, so I knew this all along. <sighs> Thankfully, I ran into a doctor who did not have his head up his rear end like my primary care physician. But by then, the damage was done. I had gynecomastia. This story gets even nuttier with a, with a particular doctor at the facing medical group doing a test on me, false, what I believe was falsifying the results, and then getting rid of the images that would prove he falsified the report. Yeah, just really ugly. And then I reached out, I wrote a letter to Facey, and I said, look, you know, if, your pri if my primary care physician, who is your employee, had done the right thing concerning the, the, the tenderness in my breast, I wouldn't have gynecomastia now. Uh, if this other fellow, this gastroenterologist, if he had not gotten rid of the photographs, the, the, the digital images that were created when he was performing the test, I think we would have found that there was a different outcome than what his submitted report stated. So what I'm asking you to do is I would like you, Facey Medical Group in Valencia, California, to pay for the surgery to correct my gynecomastia. They were back and said, nope, not interested. You can't prove it's us. Okay. It, it you know, probably would have, in, in terms of the money they were making back then, it probably is gajillions time more now, um, it would have cost them literally pennies to accept responsibility for the failures of their employees and to fix me. But they didn't. And in California, it's virtually impossible to sue a medical group, but that's a whole other discussion. So the upshot of this is from about 2000 through, well, for the next 20 plus years, I just lived with having gynecomastia. Uh, I went and saw a friend of mine who's a plastic surgeon, and I said to him, can you do something about this? He can't. He said, I can. He said, but let me share with you where I'm at on this. He said, first of all, here's the price tag, which was shockingly high, but he was, he was, he was a big money guy. He did a lot of work for some very well-known names, right? So I was like, wow. And he says, and then 
He said, there, there's no way to do it without scarring. So you're going to have scars. You're like 40 or 41 now, Dave, and you're going to have scars for the rest of your life. <sighs> okay, so I don't think the scars really were the big issue for me. The, the price tag was, I think, if I remember correctly, from him to do bilateral, both breasts. I mean, there, there's a lot of cutting and stitching, so to speak. Um, I think it was 12 grand. Okay, and we're talking whatever that is, 2000 money, 2001 money. Now, before I get into more recent occurrences, I do want to comment there's something called pseudogynecomastia, um, which is simply being overweight. So the breasts are fatty, like, like the rest of the torso when somebody's seriously overweight. That's not really gynecomastia. I should also probably take a little left turn here for a moment and talk about what causes gynecomastia. I meant to do this at the front end and forgot. The mechanism internally, physiologically, the exact Mechanism is unknown to science. The only time you can talk about things where you don't understand the mechanism has been COVID-19 for the last, or SARS-CoV-2, for the last year. You, you, yeah, researchers can say anything they want without truly understanding the mechanism. But in real science, when there's no political motivation, you have to recognize or be able to point to, with some credibility, the mechanism of how this gets there. That does not exist in gynecomastia. The presumption is, which I think is pretty solid based on just real world experience, the presumption is when your testosterone is low, but your estrogen remains at normal. Okay, so for a man, testosterone normally is up here, estrogen is here. So what happens is if the estrogen remains, but the testosterone drops, now you've got the estrogen is now dominant. And it is presumed, again, science doesn't really, can't point to the exact mechanism, but it is presumed and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of patients, the pattern would confirm that what it is, is that the estrogen is remains stable while the testosterone drops below, or for whatever reason, estrogen increases. But it is an imbalance between estrogen and testosterone. Okay, so with all of that said, what's going on with me now? Why am I choosing to talk about this today? There was a time just before I learned, I started getting into physiology and started learning about what ketosis is, there was a time I was insulin resistant, though I couldn't have told you that at the time, and I was getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and I couldn't understand why, because I didn't know I was insulin resistant. And I certainly, almost certainly, would have eventually become obese. And when you add the weight that I had on me at that time to the gynecomastia tissue, yeah, it was not flattering. The, the appearance was not good. It, it started to have that old man flabby boob look thing. Uh, which totally was not doing it for me. Because I'd spent my whole life, like I said, from 24, in the gym, five to seven days a week, you know, two to three hours a, a day. And I had a pretty rockin' bot up until this whole weird thing went down, right? So, but ever since then, since I said like 2000, 2001, yeah, I'd live with this gynecomastia, which was embarrassing as fuck. Yeah. So, you know, you put on a tight shirt, the rest of you looks good. What the fuck is that right there? So, yeah, not cool. More than three years ago, I began living in ketosis. So my body has existed in ketosis every single day for more than three years now. And I had wondered at the outset whether, um, I, I probably thought about it back at the very beginning, as whether the keto diet would resolve my gynecomastia. 
And then when I realized shortly after getting into the keto eating style that it wasn't really that that mattered. It was the living in ketosis day in and day out, 24-7, 365 days a year. That's the part that really matters. doesn't matter how you, how you get there, what, what style, which you want to call the style of eating you're practicing is. As long as you keep your body in ketosis 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, the health benefits will keep amplifying. I'm more than three years into it, and they're continuing to manifest themselves for me. So back to the gynecomastia issue. I dropped 60 pounds, first of all, I should say, in the first six months or five months that I was in ketosis, which is pretty dramatic. I'm not, again, I'm not going to get into that whole story. We'd be here a very long time. But suffice to say, whatever the effects of the gynecomastia, they're amplified when you put a bunch of body fat on. So it was somewhat less apparent once I lost all the extra weight. Now, the part I really want to talk about is this. About 15 months ago, I switched to carnivore. Uh, again, keeping my body, the carnivore style of eating, keeping my body in ketosis 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, but just simply eating a different style of consumption. I just I do the carnivore style of eating. And over the last 15 months, there have been quite a few physiological changes in my body. One of them is that my gynecomastia has, I don't know what the correct term would be, ebbed. <laughs> um, it's not gone, I'll tell you that. Uh, but there is, it is less noticeable, which means it's going away. Okay? That, that's, that's the really important part. My body seems to ever so slowly now be correcting it. And that's some pretty hot shit right there. That, that's pretty exciting. I mean, yeah, okay. <laughs> Would have been nice if it happened when I was like 42, 43, still a young man. I'm 61 now. But I still take damn good care of myself. I still look pretty fucking good for 61. So yeah, I'm stoked about it. And um, I, I don't consider myself a vain person. I don't know. I grew up in LA, so maybe I am. <laughs> but I don't consider myself a vain person. But I don't like to look funky. I don't like to look like shit's not right. right? So that, that's how I always felt about the gynecomastia. I don't need to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't need to look like anybody. I just need to look like me. But I want to look like me healthy. I don't want to look like me with some fucked up thing called gynecomastia. So the fact that it appears to, my body appears to be rectifying it is really exciting. Now, am I telling anyone else what to do? I'm not. Uh, I'm so over that. <laughs> First of all, yeah, most people, they don't listen. And secondly, I can't guarantee that you'll have the same results I have for a couple of reasons. There is a certain amount of bio-individuality bio involved in these things. Uh, also, you know, I, I was in ketosis for more than, no, a bit less than two years before I switched my style of eating to carnivore. So does that impact what's happening to my body now? I don't think so, but it could. Okay, so I want to be clear about that. I don't know the answer to that. I don't, I suspect that's not an element that has been in play here, but it could be. 15 months of carnivore. Most people don't have, I, I was going to say discipline, but for me, it's not discipline. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, how do you start your car? Well, you know, I put the key fob in my pocket. I walk out to the car. I get in the car. I push the button. The car starts. There, there's nothing disciplined about that. You just, that's how it works. And that's how I see living in ketosis. It's 
just how the body's genetically coded to work. So why would I want to do something the body's not genetically coded for? Why would I want to burden my body with that? Why would I want to um, move down a road that will make my body ill when I can stay in a mode that makes my body incredibly healthful? And believe me, the reduction of my gynecomastia is just one of many, 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 many things that's happened in keto and even more so in the 15 months I've been, in, been eating carnivore. So I say all of that because, again, this number bandied about is 70% of American men have gynecomastia or have had gynecomastia because when you're younger, like you can get it when you're adolescent and that kind of goes away and the symptoms go away. So it, there's some ambiguity to the numbers here. But because the number 70% of men in the United States is thrown around, I'm hoping this helps somebody. If you want to learn more about the physiology behind ketosis, not about the keto diet, not about the carnivore diet, not about, I don't know, the paleo diet or anything else, but you want to learn the truth about your physiology. The truth has frankly been hidden from you by the establishment for close to 60 years now, and continues, for the most part, to be hidden from the vast majority of the American public. If you want to learn about that so that you can never get fooled again by the lies told by the media and the establishment, I want to encourage you to get a copy of Body Science. You know, when I say that, I think a lot of people imagine, you know, oh, Dave's just trying to get my money. He's just trying to sell me something. And, and I am trying to sell you something, but I'm not just trying to get your money. I'm trying to exchange a paltry sum of money for a gargantuan benefit. So who the fuck wins that equation, right? I want you to be as healthy and happy as you can be. I, I'm trying to share, I don't, the good news sounds <laughs> a little pedantic. I wanna share what has worked for me and literally, not exaggerating, worked for millions of other people. Do you know the only people who say that ketosis doesn't work or ketosis is dangerous, blah, 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 whatever their bullshit is? You know the only people who say that? Yeah. The people who've never lived in ketosis. People who live in ketosis, even those that have done it and then for one reason or another fell away, they rave about it, right? Yeah. So don't listen to these bullshit artists. Uh, if you've got any physical malady, I don't want to say any physical malady because living in ketosis is, is not like waving a magic wand. But do read body science, and then you have a great frame of reference to determine if something, something's going on with you, what are the odds that living in ketosis can correct it? You'll have a much better framework, an accurate framework, a bulletproof framework, uh, to make those kind of decisions and observations and analysis and make the decisions that are right for you once you've read body science. So I, I hope you'll do that. It, it's a very inexpensive book and uh, you can never unknow what you know, which is probably a problem for some people. I don't, I don't know if I want to know, right? Because then I might feel compelled to actually live it out. All right. But believe me, you will be blown away. It has received 100, well, I was going to say 100% positive reviews, but that's not true. Um, of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reviews it's received, <laughs> Some woman sent me an email and said it was boring. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure she couldn't understand this. I, she, I probably lost her in chapter four where the physiology begins. And believe me, I've made it so simple. You can read the reviews at drreality.news. Just scroll down on the, the store page to Body Science and click on it and then read the reviews. I mean, one of the things you'll see everybody says is, thank you, Dave, for making this incredible physiology, the truth so easy to understand. So yeah, I'm guessing she just didn't have the intellect. <laughs>
<laughs> but other than her, it's gotten 100% rave reviews. So please do yourself a favor. Get yourself a copy of Body Science. I'm out.